Hi, my name is Gunnar Froh and I'm your host on the Wonder Mobility Podcast. All right, welcome back to the Wunder Mobility Podcast. And today I'm with Thibaut Castagne. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's a real pleasure. Thibaut uh, is co-founder and CEO of Vianova. Um, and we already discovered before we started recording here, um, also did many interesting things before, including um, charging station advertising in Switzerland, which was so lucrative that it was... That was my former like startup experience. Um, and, uh, you know, before we recorded, actually, I was mentioning that um, you... You know, as Steve Jobs was saying, you 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 basically you connect the dots when you look back. And uh, when uh, looking at my sort of um, yeah, looking at my journey, um, starting from engineering uh, to study actually mathematical finance uh, to start actually as a trader in the markets in London, um, you know, a quantitative analyst and then trader and then move to an investment fund investing in renewable energy. Then starting a first company uh, in actually um, EV charging infrastructure, uh, and then move to actually uh, Vianova in the mobility space. Um, everything sort of like um, you know made sense, uh, and it looks like uh, everyone is like you know how did you actually come up with the idea of Vianova? And I'm like it actually went through um, a, a, almost a ten years journey. <laughs> it took 10 years of research and afterwards it looks like a straight line. Makes me uh, wonder um, if it's um, been such a straight line, the um, projection out should be relatively easy. So we'll really talk about this maybe later, um, about the coming years and what comes next. Let's first um, try to unpack um, what, what you're doing today. So um, what's the product behind Vianova? Who are you selling to? What does this product do? Um, how far are you on this startup journey at the moment? Yeah, so you can look at Genova basically essentially as a, as a geo-analytics um, um, platform. So what does that mean exactly? Is that we build actually a business intelligence or, or decision-making intelligence based on mobility data. Um, so uh, we're processing the information uh, and we're making aggregation and visualization so that for um, infrastructure managers, um, city officials, civil servants, or mobility operators, they can visualize the data and understand, for instance, you know, what are the best positions for building new cycling lanes, what are the riskiest uh, intersections in the city based on, um, you know, uh, vehicles activity, um, you know, how to um, improve actually like uh, parking of micromobility vehicles based on 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 the sort of historical positioning of this vehicle um so we really like help um uh, analyze really uh, information we help uh, design infrastructure uh, we help uh, run uh, the infrastructure with real time insights and we um also help help actually uh, doing reporting to stakeholders which is very important in communication mm -hmm. can you talk a bit more about um, data sources that you're collecting. Maybe there are some kind of unexpected uh, ones as well in there. And then like the, let's say, consumer side or your customer side, you mentioned public and private clients. So give us some examples of data sources that are feeding into it and use cases of what your yeah. customers are actually doing with that, please. Yeah, so I always said like when we started Vianova, there was actually like a paradigm of like three main trends. And one of them is the connectivity, mm -hmm. uh, as you mentioned, so the sort of the the connectivity of vehicle. Uh, so vehicles are actually getting more and more connected. You have more and more data. 
Uh, actually, next year will be the first year where uh, it's forecasted that 100% of the vehicles sold in Europe and in the US will be connected, which means basically like you have GPS information, speed uh, information, um, uh, sort of like how many people are sitting on in, in the car, all sort of information that is going through the cloud basically and being stored in an anonymous way. Um, in order actually to improve services for the for the for the for the for the users of the vehicle themselves, uh, in order actually to better manage fleets, uh, which is uh, basically essentially also what Vunda uh, uh, is is doing, uh, better managing fleets and, and getting this data, um, and also essentially for for cities uh, to better manage mobility and traffic um, thanks to the connectivity of vehicles. And, Just because uh, it goes into a cloud somewhere doesn't necessarily mean it's accessible um, for for us um, or for you. Um, but um, what are some um, entities, um, for example, that are sending data to you? Are you basically do, do these um, do um, yes. um, the operators of shared mobility in Europe? Yes, um, we, we started actually shared mobility operators indeed. So we started as a sort of a third party aggregator of, um, um, of shared mobility data, mm -hmm. uh, in order to provide basically, uh, um, um, analysis, um, and sort of, uh, information to cities so they can better manage, uh, those, uh, free floating mm -hmm. vehicles in the public space. Mm -hmm. Um, so essentially we were a bridge, you know, as you, you can see this way, Uh, operators had their data in the cloud. There was an API that you were like, uh, where we were pulling data. We're still doing it. We were pulling data. We're doing the bridge. We're processing the information. We're making it beautiful and understandable for the city. And the city are basically taking decisions on that. Um, we don't stop here now. And this was actually the sort of the big move that we did like last year. And we're continuing now is that today Vianova is a, is a transportation analytics company as a whole. So we, we collect and ingest any sort of, let's say, mobility data. So it could be public transport data. It could be, uh, you know, Volkswagen data. It could be Renault data. It could be uh, uh, Mercedes data. could be like logistics data. So everything that is, uh, uh, let's say, connected, uh, uh, we, we, we can ingest this information and, and make some, uh, um, some, some decision-making analysis back on the back of it. And where would you say is the bottleneck in um, utilizing mobility data at the moment? Is it um, to get access to these different sources? Do you have to go around and make kind of agreements one-to-one -one and some people don't want to share it? Or uh, more in uh, making sense of all the data that is so easy to collect? Yeah, so um, it's, a, it's a good question. I think the uh, if you look on the government side and on city side, they're quite unequal based on also like what are the skills inside uh, the city and the size, of course, because the more, uh, the bigger the city, the more access to data they have and the more access to uh, data scientists and data engineers they have also to actually make sense of this data. So I would say like, um, actually the really first, first issue is, is, uh, is using even the data that uh, organization have and public organization have. So uh, this data is often siloed. So you're going to have the macro mobility team that's going to have some data. And then you're going to have the road safety team that's going to have um, specific data. And what you see actually at the moment is that because you had so much like increase of like cycling uh, in a mode split in, 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 in most of the cities, then you have real like impact actually on the number of collisions with cars. And so those people need to talk to each other. But today it's very siloed, both in terms of the system and the people. 
so what needs to be done is actually having a product that can, you know, put back all this data together, uh, making sure that you can aggregate this data together and, and build insights. Uh, but also what you can do is, um, uh, is the other part that you mentioned on your side is the, the, the part before is the collecting of the data. Uh, and uh, cities are most of the time relying actually on, um, let's say, pretty basic sensors or even like uh, counting uh, of people, of cars uh, manually. So it's very expensive. It's being done like on a very long range. Uh, and what's happening now with the, the, the connectivity of the, the mobility and the traffic is that everything comes through data. So they have much more information that they can use actually um, uh, to to drive the the, the policy making and 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 the infrastructure planning. What are your most valuable um, data sources? Um, are they these APIs of um, mobility operators or more kind of third party data like maybe telco um, movement data or something like this? The most valuable uh, is a good question. I mean, uh, to be fair, like, I mean, Genova, like we uh, shared mobility management is still a main market, right? Okay. Where turnover yields, uh, this is where we yield the highest turnover. Um, so for us, it's still the most interesting uh, market. But as you can, you know, shared mobility in terms of the overall model splits in a, in a city uh, or in a country, Uh, it's still relatively small. I don't have the numbers in my head, but I could mm -hmm. guess like a few percent, right? So yeah. overall, like the interest of decision makers also at, at the um, at the city level or at the government level also look at the different mode split in terms mm -hmm. of, uh, um, you know, where to allocate uh, money, you know? Mm -hmm. And when you try to productize this analysis of the um, data, to what extent um, do you have some... Um, kind of common um, interfaces and to what extent you also run kind of one-off or more custom analysis for your clients? So the, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's a good question. So the, um, most of the use cases are very similar. Uh, mm -hmm. The use cases are very similar. The context itself can be different, right? Because mm -hmm. the geography is different. Also the policy, the regulation, especially for shared mobility will be different um, um, city by city. Um, so we made the platform in a way that is very customizable. Uh, you know, whether this is actually when you want to create like this geofence uh, regulations about parking zone, no parking zone, speed limit, etc. Whether you want to create reporting uh, and you want to create specific reporting, everything is customizable. So um, if you are, um, let's say, like a shared mobility manager in a city and you have to report like how is your shared mobility program running, Uh, or if you are a road safety expert and you have to go to the city council every quarter to say, okay, this is my uh, top 20 like highest uh, intersection and this is what we prioritize uh, for the next quarter in terms of intervention, um, mm -hmm. then you can actually like customize this uh, in the way you want uh, without much work actually or much uh, support from Vianova customer success. You know? The platform is fairly, uh, it's actually like very customizable now, um, mm -hmm. which... Uh, Let's say it took us quite some uh, some uh, some strong work and some investment, uh, but uh, that's why now we we're happy that we can uh, we can handle many use cases uh, in a city environment, um, uh, which uh, is what was the vision of the company in the first place. Uh, is also making sure that you know 
chain mobility, speak with road safety, who speaks with traffic management, who speak with uh, the the people from parking management to to make cities more more efficient and more sustainable as well. Um, you Vianova was founded in 2019. You said a bunch of it took a lot of effort, a lot of investment into product. You went through, I believe, several funding rounds. Um, by now, you have VC um, backing, basically. Can you talk a bit about this? like setup um, of the company, like who has backed you, how much do you raise so far, like inside mm. box and give people a feeling for this is not just you and your two co-founders basically right now. Yeah, so actually like we started, uh, I started like actually with uh, Thibaut, which was my previous actually co-founder at Spark, mm -hmm. right? So we continue this together. And we started actually with a few interns. We started with a small pilot project in, in Paris where we were designing the drop-off zones that you mm -hmm. see in Paris for shared mobility. Um, and then we provide him an, an algorithm actually to, to show that to the city of Paris and says, Hey, this is what we can do. And then we, we, we signed our first pilot. Uh, then we, we started like this, like sort of uh, quick and dirty and had our first sort of three first customers. And then we had real contract with, um, I would say, I think it was five to 10 cities, you know, uh, our first sort of 150k revenue. And then we, we had our first uh, seed run. So we went to pitch a seed round. It was uh, during COVID, uh, June 2020. That was really like the, the pitching of the seed round. We had RATP, uh, Capital Innovation, which is the, the public transport operator of Paris that have a, a, a VC arm. And we had client ventures uh, that co-invested actually in the seed rounds. Um, that gave us actually like some, uh, some money to uh, build what I would call the real software product. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, Fred, uh, our current co-founder and CTO, joined us just before. Um, and then we ha we had the money to create a real product. Um, and then we scaled that actually to uh, um, another like uh, plus 20 cities. Um, we did actually another, um, let's say, post-seed round uh, with um, um, two, uh, one lead fund, actually, Ponoc, which is a Dutch mm -hmm. fund uh, based in Amsterdam that are focusing mm -hmm. on mobility. Um, and then we actually hit uh, 1 million or a bit more than 1 million uh, recurring revenue uh, at the end of 2022, which was mm -hmm. actually our objective. And then we, we raised actually the Series A and uh, um, we closed the deal, I think, um, one or two days before Christmas. So that was, uh, Perfect. <laughs> that was uh, quite, of a, yeah, quite of a hectic sort of uh, last few weeks in uh, December. Uh, a lot of like sleepless nights, uh, but we, uh, we, 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 we made it work. And uh, then there we raised a total of 6 million. Uh, so 4.5 uh, um, equity and the rest of that. And I imagine most of your team probably is on the product engineering side. Or I'd probably say like about a third uh, engineering, a bit more than 40% engineering R&D. Uh, I would say 20% ops, what I would call ops is uh, HR. Um, uh, finance, uh, et cetera, or 15%, and the rest, which is 45% of uh, commercial, uh, marketing, customer success, uh, sales. Yeah. How would you describe this market that you are in? Because um, it's quite specialized on the one hand. So this is kind of podcast is all about mobility. So everyone kind of is in this bubble somehow, but um, now an, an analytics solution for um, urban mobility. What's your... And you just went basically successfully through the CSA. So you must have kind of made a case, a good case for you know, yeah. how interesting this market will become. But like how much is spent 
in Europe or globally as you, as you want um, on these kind of analytics solutions today? And then how do you see that going forward? So, I mean, I can give you like one number is the, the, the overall number from, um, that is, um, that was actually published by McKinsey regarding mm -hmm. connected vehicle data. And it's a connected vehicle data is, is a $500 billion market. Um, includes a lot more than, which includes you know. a lot more indeed. Uh, but also Vianova uh, does not stop at shared mobility management. How does that evolve? Um, so essentially what it evolves is like building intelligence for, um, give you an example. So, um, for instance, like at Vianova, we started with shared mobility, right? We build a platform, we build everything. So to making sense of the data, to process data. Mm -hmm. Then cities told us, look, uh, micro mobility is great. We have it in cities, but we have a lot of collisions. You know, what's happening? How can we actually improve road safety? Oh, wait a minute. Like maybe we can do something about road safety. At the same time, we had like all the largest like European automotive company being like, Hey guys, you have actually a lot of uh, interesting relationship with cities. We're looking to monetize our data. Can we provide you the data so that you can understand like what are the riskiest uh, mm -hmm. areas in the city based on braking and other like um, uh, hazardous behavior, basically from 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 drivers? We can say, yeah, we can we can do that. So then we created actually um, uh, a new use case on actually providing. Uh, and rank uh, providing actually a risk insights in cities mm -hmm. by looking at uh, calculating a risk score uh, per street segment based on speed, traffic, uh, braking, uh, density of vulnerable road users uh, that could help really in a quick, uh, with a quick gl glance for uh, any sort of um, mm -hmm. road safety expert to <coughs> understand what to prioritize. From mm -hmm. that, then we had navigation system that were like, This is interesting. Uh, why don't we actually provide that in a navigation system so that basically when I drive, I automatically actually, instead of having the quickest route to my destination, I have the safest route and I get alerts every time I have an area where I have uh, poor road conditions. Every time I have a half pedestrian, a lot of pedestrian and cyclists that is more dangerous in terms of the overall driving context. Mm -hmm. Every time I have historically like a lot of Uh, breaking or, or collisions. And so basically like the market that you see on um, what I would call mobility intelligence as a whole um, is much more than just shared mobility management. It targets everyone from infrastructure managers to governments, to cities, to navigation system, to fleets, to insurances. Um, and everyone will need basically processing uh, intelligence uh, for uh, the, the, this, these types of use cases. Very interesting. You are basically it's definitely not just shared mobility. You also don't call it mobility data, but mobility intelligence. And I asked myself the whole time, um, how does your business model work with these guys? Um, because, um, probably is it intra is it different per industry or do you kind of, I don't know, charge a flat fee per seat if your customers uh, want their teams to have access or is this like, Uh, kind of you, you you're selling um, um, some some calls, a number of analysis, or how do you monetize this, which is beginning to be interesting yeah. for such diverse people? So it's it's a software to service. So basically, like we sell license, uh, mm -hmm. it's a yearly license, and um, you have essentially like three uh, three tiers. If if I remove like the pilot tier, but you mm -hmm. have three tiers. 
those three tiers basically like um, as a normal sort of data analytics software it will depend on uh, the number of seats so the number of yeah. users it will depends in our case because it's very um geographical what we geo data or geographical data it depends on a number of what we call geographies so the number mm -hmm. of of uh, sort of the uh, the number of square foot or square meter that you want to project the data on, so mm -hmm. the overall size and the customer, the level of customer support, um, uh, any sort of like security or or every you know every time you talk with the government, you're going to have segregated cloud, you're going to have specific security, etc., or even like uh, um, uh, uh, so all this all this actually will. Will make we will actually guide you to one of the one of the different um, uh, 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 tier, um, and then you have the data. Uh, so once you're in this tier, you can use your own data. Uh, so we have like clients, like for instance, uh, um, Aeroport de Paris or even RATP, one of our investors. Those ones have their own data, so they can just use the license and they can process their own data um information about for instance like IoT that they have at the airports mm -hmm. or IoT that they have on the buses, mm -hmm. camera, etc. Um and if they want to have uh, uh external data then we have a marketplace. And then they can use this marketplace where Vianova either you can actually take the raw data or Vianova actually provide uh specific already pre-aggregated uh, insights um and, and then you have to pay a license on this data. That's super interesting. Um do you follow some kind of role model in other industries um, that are doing a great job on like data aggregation, data analytics or so, um, that maybe there's another industry where it's more advanced already and you're looking at this company and sometimes thinking, you know, we're building like the yeah. for mobility. I think, I mean, I have a lot of admiration for a company called Snowflake. Um, oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. they, they're really like, they're probably like the fastest growing like SaaS company ever. Like they have the best multiples like in a NASDAQ because it's, a, it's you know, the, the growth is amazing. The margin is super high. Um, and, uh, and yeah, essentially like they, they understood that the world is getting uh, fully digitized and, and, and data is the, the, new, the new oil. Um, and they're really like helping organization basically like storing and processing this data at a very high scale um, mm -hmm. so that um, decision makers, managers, operational manager, or, uh, everyone can really make sense of that. So Snowflake is probably like one of them. Um, there's a company in the US called Palantir, which is very like um, yeah. analytics driven as well. Uh, one could argue that they were very military like based at the beginning. Uh, so the ethical part of it maybe could be, could be questionable, but um, at the end, uh, defense industry is, is, uh, is an important industry as well. Uh, so that's, that's probably like the two top that I have in my mind today. And when you are um, taking this kind of broad perspective on the kind of data processing potential clients, um, I wonder how you see this evolution of the company you mentioned you were crossing about a year ago, this 1 million AR threshold, okay, CUSA. Um, is there like a narrowing path to profitability that you're working towards? Or is it more about grow, 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 sign as many clients as possible, kind of grow the top line? How are you yeah. playing this at the moment, kind of also in this macro context? I think we're always kind of reflecting a little bit what's possible around us, not just what we would like to do. So how's that for you at the moment? Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, like the economics have changed a little bit uh, in the VC and startup world. So I think even as a Series A startup, 
uh, you even being asked to become profitable, basically, mm -hmm. or at least basically to have the uh, the possibility of becoming profitable. So mm -hmm. to look at the the financial metrics, basically, and to look that you actually have uh, easily, basically, a way to profitability. Um, mm -hmm. And I would argue with SaaS, uh, fortunately is actually the easiest model, uh, business model to go to profitability uh, because your fixed cost is very low. Uh, it's, um, it's, it's mainly actually like um, human, it's actually only human driven and maybe cloud infrastructure, et cetera. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's mainly that. So our path is to, to profitability today. Um, so we're looking to be profitable basically in Q1 2025, uh, which doesn't mean that we won't do a series. Um, uh, it means that we give the option to ourselves uh, also as uh, founders and also as shareholders uh, to look at, okay, we have the option whether we want to go to profitability and raise debt uh, or we want to basically like have an, uh, a Series B um, uh, because we think that the terms are interesting for us as shareholders. Mm. What are the biggest milestones between now and um, 25 for you to reach this point? Yes, yeah, so 2025, like we uh, essentially like we we have a gross um, sort of forecast between 100 and 150 percent uh, for that. So to th this year, we're going to be fairly on track uh, for that growth. Um, and so basically, like essentially, like that means that next year we should be around four uh, million, um, mm -hmm. and the year after, um, the goal was actually to be at eight. Uh, so if we close at, uh, you know, between four to eight, I think we will be actually in a good, um, sort of range for, um, a series B, if this is the path that we want to go to. Mm -hmm. And I mean, product wise, is there, um, are there some, um, evolutions that you are working on that will kind of change the existing product or, um, it's more kind of all the refinement and finding more, bringing more clients to this. No, so the most of the most of the investment and most of the work, but we're continuing the work, has been done actually this year. Mm -hmm. um, this was actually mainly the move from uh, the Vianova single application on shared mobility to having a more platform product mm -hmm. business model. So that means mm -hmm. on the product side also that we were uh, being able to really collect ingest, stream, aggregate, and then visualize any type of like uh, mobility data, you know, and today it's possible. Um, you know, if it's a charging station data, if it's a connected like street lights, if it's a, a connected like um, DHL van, if it's like a Lime e-scooter, like everything can be ingested in there, mm -hmm. you know, and I think this is the, you know, this is the way that we, 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 what we've worked on, uh, the most actually, uh, mostly on the back end and making sure that we can ingest all this type of data. Uh, and then today it's the front end. So we, 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 we're trying to really make the experience like very, um, sort of, uh, uh, very easy, very friendly, uh, and, and also have this, um, Uh, collaborative uh, elements that you see in most of those software now about like comments, uh, sharing information, basically. So imagine the road safety experts like labeling basically an, an area being like, this is a dangerous area, sh sharing this to the micromobility manager. Okay, here we can put actually a no-go zone because this is a, this is a dangerous area. Um, and then you can send that actually to the people that are doing exploitation or operations on the street. Let's mm -hmm. do that on their app. And be like, okay, we have to be careful. Maybe we can do enforcement basically on that zone. So that that sort of collaborative uh, element is also um, 
very um, important for us uh, within the company, but also external. So that's why like we have the marketplace, um, the data marketplace that allow any data cons- any data producers to uh, share the data with any data consumers. Um, and Can you give an example of that, um, who, of, of someone who's um, doing it through um, Vianova at the moment, sharing their data with your clients and what's their motivation to do that? Yes, so I mean the, the best example actually are, are the, the, the the shared mobility operators, right? Okay. They're sharing the data to cities because it's a regulatory requirement. Okay. <laughs> but you do but you, but yeah. you have the other case where you have since uh, companies like Michelin uh, or Bridgestone uh, that have two big one of the largest telematics in company in the world, mm-hmm. but also Renault. Um, uh, that are basically like sharing the data to Vianova uh, uh, in an anonymous way uh, to basically monetize this information uh, and, and 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 provide that to to cities and 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 government authorities uh, to uh, make 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 generally like cities safer and and, and more efficient. Because if I understand correctly, um, if your if one of your clients would want to access this. Yes. Stone or the node um, data, they would uh, pay for it, and you would take as part of the marketplace kind of agreement a revenue share on it. Yeah, yeah. So on our side, actually, we don't do the commission, but we we actually buy out all the data and then all right. okay. build data product specific okay. use cases. You know, mm-hmm. so we'll have a data product specifically for road safety that will tell you, you know, like you know, what are the riskiest zones in the city. You have a data product for speed. So, you know, for all the cities that have problem with the 30 kilometers per hour, the 20 mm-hmm. miles per hour, they can figure out like, you know, what are the streets that are the, you know, the highest sort of intensity and frequency of, of a speeding. Uh, you have a specific product for curb usage uh, where we can see like, you know, what are the, the parking or the on-street parking that are the most uh, congested. So we, we, we sort of data productionize in a way, mm-hmm. uh, but we don't sell, <coughs> resell raw data. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Let's zoom out a little bit from uh, Vianova um, because you are, first of all, in the industry now for many years. You said there's this straight line. Okay, I know in hindsight, but <laughs> you have a lot of exposure for um, a time and you're also living and working in one of the most interesting cities when it comes to mobility in Europe, I believe, um, in Paris, right? So um, Paris has gone through this evolution in the last years and For sure, a lot has been happening. And uh, I know also from when we um, visit there, there are people who are celebrating it and some people who are <laughs> thinking that's uh, really uh, too much and too soon um, and, and, and awful. But what are you seeing um, as someone who's living there and working there um, yeah. that were the most effective changes? What has made a big difference that you think will become more a role model for others? And where do you think it's really not going far enough? Well, I mean, I think uh, Paris, um, I mean, Paris has some drawbacks, right? But I think one of the great things that happened uh, in in the last, uh, since COVID, actually, is the huge political win that happened, basically, that took a city that was very polluted, that is still, to some extent, actually polluted, but that was very car-centric in a place where you have most of the um, trips today that are happening and are happening through public transport and cycling. Uh Uh, cycling lanes um, are congested in Paris now. Uh, it's um, so the 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 
the, the, the biggest, the, 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 I think that for me, the, the first thing that needs to happen actually, uh, is the political will and the political change. Um, and, and, and I think where, I think you need to have ambitious, uh, political leaders there. I think you have political leaders that needs to be, uh, that, uh, needs to take the risk to be wrong. Uh, they need to take the risk actually to also follow, uh, their conviction and, and to bring the population towards actually that, that move. Um, and, um, when, when we look actually at, at the European city, uh, obviously we're in a far better position than in the US, but still basically like the whole public space and infrastructure realm as a whole has been built for cars. Um, and, uh, this has a lot of different impacts. Basically, it has impact on, you know, how do you host uh, free-floating shared mobility because essentially there's no parking for them. And that was the biggest problem by the integration of this vehicle. And then you have the the, the problem also on, on, on road safety uh, because suddenly, basically, you bring um, a lot more people that actually will walk, commute, uh, walking to work. They will cycle to work and you're going to make them use the same infrastructure but uh, one is protected and not one is one is actually in a car and the other one is actually like just walking. One is going at like 50 kilometers 50 km per hour and the other one is going at three or four kilometers per hour. So the difference of speed, um, the the fact of using the same infrastructure and the general density of a European street make um, create all these um, collisions basically between the different modes, you know. So um, that's why the, the political will that happened in Paris and and the change of uh, redistributing public space um, and especially redistributing public space towards um, uh, sustainable modes, so walking and cycling, had the benefit actually to suddenly, uh, you know, uh, almost force uh, or, or make the change of habits and make it, make 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 it possible basically for everyone to change their habits uh, so that they could they could finally cycle to work um, because they had protected land. Um, and they had, uh, um, uh, you know, safe, safe commute basically to, uh, um, to, to work. Uh, and, and everything is linked. You know, the, if you want to change your model mix, it's a question of road safety. Uh, because if you want to change your model mix, you have to make sure that the people feel safe, uh, in riding their bikes, uh, which uh, eventually actually will change the model mix, which will change air quality which eventually actually will change again, like model mix because people recycle more and, and, and because they won't be afraid of actually inhaling such mm-hmm. bad air. So everything is linked together. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, as a conclusion, basically like uh, political will needs to be there. How do you interpret um, in this context the ban of the um, kick scooters in the summer? Because that was also something that everyone took note of um, outside of France as well and outside of the mobility bubble and then um, some people um, said okay maybe apparently look what what's happening to shared mobility they are banning it now but I'm not sure if that should be the conclusion how did you look um, at that what why, why did that happen and um, is that what, yeah. what exactly does it mean because it's maybe not all of shared mobility so I mean the, the feedback that I'm hearing actually from the operators themselves is that most of the scooters trip now is the shared bicycle so I think um the, the the bicycle the cycling ride the shared shared um the shared bikes actually have have had a tremendous actually win over the last two months and mm-hmm. um, so business wise i think we have to interrogate them and i think the numbers will actually come soon but I, i don't think it has been such a such a bad uh move 
clearly like it's been a bad move in terms of uh, signaling things to other cities, you know. And again, like um, um, it comes as like uh, when the political leaders basically like so political leaders have vision and then they have data. So the vision is basically what are you going to do for the next five or seven years? And then the data is basically how you're going to correct or make decisions basically to change a little bit the vision so that mm-hmm. you can adapt to it, you know. And 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 the truth is that I think for Paris, I think there was um, a strong, let's say, like political, um, which I think you could argue that probably were not uh, fully informed about e-scooter that actually took the decision uh, to uh, ban e-scooters uh, because it was not in the political agenda. To have e-scooters because it was it was uh, um, uh, said to be uh, unsustainable, like uh, not sustainable, you know. Replacing uh, walking, for example, the tagline is replacing walking or having a CO two life cycle that was like mm-hmm. uh, too high, basically for the benefit mm-hmm. that it had, and that's why the decision was taken. Mm-hmm. So it's getting actually quite nuanced um, in that they are looking at specific vehicle types that they want or don't want, always trying to use data. And you say maybe it was also incomplete, but yeah, um, interesting. Overall, this transition is um, uh, super interesting. And I think if you are at least part of a certain group, I think we always have to remember a little bit, then it seems super um, refreshing and like better quality of uh, life, but not everyone maybe can or is fit enough or young enough or um, to, yes. to move around in a bike. So yes. Um, but very interesting what uh, is happening in Paris. And I think you are lucky uh, as a company maybe to be in this uh, spot where people are so interesting to figure it out and you can trade in the data that they all need. Yes. I mean, only in, you know, only in our office, actually, we're sharing the, uh, we're sharing the space with uh, Dot and Clear. So we have the mobility ecosystem next to us, you know, so everyone, <laughs> other, which, is, uh, which is always great for innovation. That's awesome. Where's your office located? Is that one of the famous hubs in Paris or? Actually, no, we, we, you know, we work in Pigalle, uh, which is a beautiful space and uh, uh-huh. just open. Um, and just happened to be that uh, Tier is there, Dot is there. And then you have also this other startup called My Traffic, mm-hmm. which specializes in um, actually mobile phone data. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you, you do have a, a small sort of concentration of mobility startups there. All right. Well, we talked in the very beginning about um, how um, you can draw this perfect straight line from studying mathematical finance to being a day trader working at the investment firm in renewable energies, founding a first company, uh, now founding Vianova uh, and scaling it. So where does this um, perfect line kind of take you from here? What does Vianova look like and what does your work look like in two or three years? What is my work looking like in two or three years? I mean. Um, I think Vianova as a company uh, will uh, will continue to expand geographically. Uh, in the US and the Middle East today is like a, a sort of like next sort of expansion plan geographically. Uh, we already actually working. We already have a couple of contracts in each region. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is mainly at your expansion focus today. Um, uh, both because in the Middle East you have, uh, let's say, advanced use cases in terms of traffic management using using vehicle data. Uh, and also in the US, you have uh, a lot of funding with the infrastructure bill actually to revamp the, the transportation infrastructure in, in the country. Um, and then on the let's say on the, on the use case on the product side, um, we uh, again are looking to make, make sure that the product become more and more of a platform mm-hmm. uh, to be able to handle actually like uh, more use cases and, and more types of data. And I think it as a, as a company, you know, like we. 
we 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 started really um uh, from a real sort of mission uh we ha- we started from a mission actually to make to make cities actually more sustainable and more livable and we want to uh create a full like co2 accounting uh mm-hmm. both actually of us uh, as a company but also to um the sort of the decision uh, that we are we are, we are providing or the decision making we're providing to our customers so that they can actually easily evaluate the co2 impact and also track the CO2 impact uh, by any sort of mobility trips. And I think this is the direction that we're taking uh, because we're gathering so much data uh, that we can have a very, very uh, extremely interesting view on, on, on what is the sort of the, the CO2 um, uh, uh, um, accounting and, or even the CO2 reduction possibility uh, at, at a city, at an organization, at a fleet level. Uh, and this is, this is the direction that we're taking. Um, yeah, personally... Um, I think I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really enjoying what I'm doing. Um, it's obviously very operational at the moment. I mean, you, you also know it, you went through that. So, uh, maybe in two to three years, it will be less operational, but the, I think I'm an, I'm an operator by heart. So uh, this is what I enjoy. Perfect. Cool. Thanks for taking an hour out of your yeah, busy day today and explaining to us uh, all this context. Super interesting. Thanks a lot. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks, Gunnar. Thanks a lot. We'll see each other soon. All right. Cool. And then we have, um, I think, more than 35 minutes. Um, really interesting stuff. I didn't uh, realize that you are um, dealing like with this broad set of clients by now. Um, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it's like I, I wouldn't say that the, I mean, the, the sort of the shared mobility and cities like is still like uh, more than 50 percent of our revenue. But mm-hmm. clearly, like we've we've uh, we've tried to diversify a lot, yeah. I can imagine I didn't want to go there because getting like ever too detailed, but I imagine that with cities, it could be hard to kind of scale how much they're paying. You know, like if, if it's an operator, they pay per vehicle, all the sudden they have 10,000, 50,000 vehicle. It could be yeah. a month, but the city probably has a more closer tap on what's the yeah. total amount that we are paying here per year, right? So I think the, the city can pay a lot as long as you bring them revenue. <laughs> okay. You know, ah, that's okay. That's a good idea. It's, it's so, really yeah. true. It's really true. It's like this is why basically, like parking manager, at today basically like the sort of the what, what is the, the highest or even yeah the, the parking manager or or, or highway um, because this is where you they're collecting the highest fees, you know, and then you can charge the highest because relatively it's not that high. Yeah. You know? As long as you are bringing uh, more revenue and then take uh, a fraction of that. Yeah. And you, men- you, you mentioned that you can guide um, cities on, um, for example, where speeding happens. Yes. Uh, is that already like a use case that cities will, um, yes. will use this to send teams uh, and, I don't know, make uh, checks in specific streets? Yes. Or- but no, not just even, not even enforcement. Enforcement can come after, but I think having an understanding, especially when cities, almost of the cities in Europe are going to 30 kilometers per hour, uh, for the same reason that we, we discussed, the fact that you have more pedestrian and cyclists. And obviously, when you have an encounter or collision, if you go at 30 kilometers per hour, 50, it really changed the outcome. Um, uh, they, they want to understand uh, what are the, the streets in the city that are the, mo- the most prone to overspeeding. Yeah. And see like whether they can put speed bump, whether they can put like, put like more like sort of slowing infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so more longer term thinking like yes. yeah, infrastructure investments. and Yeah. Cool, cool. Wow. Um, yeah. That's super fascinating. It was super nice to catch up with you a little bit, even though it was yeah. kind of all around the product for now, but 
Uh, <laughs> yeah. Next time I'm in Paris, I will message you. Uh, maybe we yeah. can have like a coffee yeah. or drink then. No, of course, yeah, message me. We, we, we can also even take time for lunch or dinner. And um, are, you, are you still going to do the Wunder conference? We are next year because we're also turning 10 years next year. <laughs> wow, okay. It's really a long time already now, I tell you. But of course, <laughs> the, it changed, yeah, to like two pivots. The product that we have changed. Yes. Um, so we didn't do this, unfortunately, from the beginning. And uh, then we would have been some bit further. But the, the the original entity, the original founding was 10 years ago. Next year in the fall, we, we'll do a conference for 10 years. And right now, in this fall, we are doing kind of like a decentral um event series together with McKinsey. So we are doing next week in Amsterdam and then we're going to Madrid and Copenhagen and so on. So a little bit more off the beaten path. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where not all the big conferences are. And McKinsey is a good partner. I'd, I'd love to come next time again. I really enjoyed it the first time I went. Yeah, cool. Please do. Yeah. I definitely uh, put you on our list. You already are on the list for sure. So Sounds good. Cool. Well, thanks cool. for, all right. for taking the time to interview me. I also appreciate it a lot. Of course, yeah. All the best for you. Yeah, all the best. See you soon. See you. Bye-bye. Bye.